0: The Jets have yet another new kicker, and Corey Davis is lost for the season. We'll talk about all this and more on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Tuesday, December 7th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from Ganggreennation.com. And today our episode is brought to you by On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit On Location, exp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen each day. We have plenty of Jets news to get to. It was a very eventful Monday for the New York Jets. The first piece of news comes as no surprise. We are going to have another new kicker this week. It will be the Jets' third kicker in as many weeks No shock that the team will be moving on from Alex Kessman after Kessman missed both of his extra point attempts on Sunday in the loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. Coming in is former Bears kicker Eddie Pinheiro. The kicker position has been a mess for the Jets, not just this season, but really since Joe Douglas took over as general manager in 2019. I know a lot of you want me to go easy on Joe Douglas, but I simply cannot do that there is no excuse for the kicker position to be as bad as it's been for the Jets. Now anybody can have a bad year. Sometimes you trust somebody and they go into a little bit of a slump. And for a kicker, a slump can really impact your entire statistical performance. One or two bad weeks can take you from the top of the league to the bottom of the league as a kicker. So if it's a one-year thing, I can get over it. But there's no excuse for the kicker position to be as bad as it's been for the Jets. Let me give you a fact that I looked up yesterday. There's only one team in the NFL that has made 75% or less of its field goal attempts three straight seasons since 2019. That's the New New York Jets. So if you think that this is a league-wide issue, it's not. This is a Jets issue. There's only one team that's been this bad for three straight years. Again, one year I can live with. You know, maybe you trust the wrong guy. It's been happening for three years. The only team in the NFL... When you're the only team in the NFL that's been this bad, that's on you. That's not bad luck. That's bad management. And the types of kickers the Jets have been looking for, I think, has been the issue. Because it seems like, and I don't know if this is the coaching staff saying it to him. I don't know if he's getting bad advice. I don't know if this is just his own philosophy. But the Jets have been trying to bring in these kickers with these big legs. And they've acted like they could develop these guys. They've acted like they had some sort of secret formula to turn a big-legged kicker into an accurate kicker, and they want to get some guy who's going to be like a a super kicker, who's going to be able to kick 60-yard field goals, because they're going to figure out how to straighten him out. Well, it has not worked. They have brought in kicker after kicker after kicker, and it has not worked. And I'll give them credit for this. I don't want to give them too much credit, because it's taken them long enough to figure this out. Eddie Pinheiro is the first kicker they've brought in that at least has a track record of being a decent kicker in the NFL. And this is what you should look for. You should look for a guy who has shown an ability to kick it through the uprights. And finally, after failure, after failure, after failure for close to three years, we finally are targeting a guy who can be a decent kicker, who has shown an ability to kick the ball through the uprights, to make his field goal attempts. Finally, and listen, I don't know if Pinero is going to be the answer for the Jets. I mean, it has been since 2019, since he attempted a field goal in the NFL, but he made 82.3. 1% 1% of his kicks that year. So at least now we're on the right track. And If you keep using this type of process, we're going to find the kicker eventually. You know, it's not rocket science finding a kicker in the NFL. I see people always saying, well, it's really tough. You got to make sure you spend resources on it. Let me, let's go through the list. I'll go through the list right now. The top kickers in the NFL this year of highest field goal percentage. Brian Johnson, Washington signed him last week. He made a game-winning field goal in the last minute of Washington's game on Sunday. Just inside 50 yards. Guy they signed last week. Available last week. Jets signed a guy who can't even kick an extra point. Washington signs a guy who's nailing a 48-yard field goal to win the game the last minute. You're telling me finding a kicker's hard? 9-9 this season. Our old friend Nick Folk. 91.7% of his field goals made. Patriots cut him at the end of training camp, signed him to the practice squad. Then they brought him back. He was available. Joey Sly was Washington's kicker, suffered an injury. That's why they brought in Johnson. He's made 89.5% of his kicks this year, signed in November. Dustin Hopkins, 87.5% of his kicks, signed in season by the Chargers. And by the way, those are four of the top 11 kickers in the NFL when it comes to field goal percentage this season. Four, four of the top 11. Now, if you want to tell me, Nick Folk, maybe there was some sort of deal where the Patriots cut him, but they knew they were going to bring him back. Okay, fine. I'll buy that. That's still three of the top 11. Can you tell me three of the top 11 players at any other position were available, were free agents during the season? No, you can't. Were three of the top 11 wide receivers in the NFL free agents in September, October, November? No. No. Were three of the top 11 defensive ends available in season? No. Three of the top 11 quarterbacks, three of the top 11 offensive linemen, you name it. Three of the top 11 kickers, as far as field goal percentage goes, have been signed in season. In fact, Washington has signed two of them in the last month. So don't tell me that it's impossible to find a kicker. Don't tell me it's really difficult to find a kicker. Yes, you can whiff as a general manager. You can sign somebody who's not very good. You can make a mistake. And yes, a guy who's otherwise a good kicker can be bad. You know, a lot of people say, once you find a kicker, you better spend as much money as possible to keep him there. Well, if the Jets did that with Jason Myers, they would not be in such great shape this season because Jason Myers is making a lot of money in Seattle, and he's not been any better than Matt Amendola was. Finding a kicker is not hard in the NFL. And it does not require you paying a lot of money. It doesn't require you expending a lot of resources. It just requires you, getting, first of all, getting a little lucky. Again, sometimes a good kicker has a bad season. But it also just requires you looking for the right things, looking for a guy who can kick the ball through the uprights, who can make a field goal. And for too long, the Jets have not been looking for that. And it seems like the Pinheiro signing is an indication that finally... They are. Finally, they've failed enough trying to convert these big-legged kickers, these guys who can kick it a mile but can't kick it accurately. Maybe after missing two extra points, they finally figured out what to look for. Maybe Pinheiro will work, maybe he won't. At least we're on the right track. And the thing that I've been worried about for the Jets is when you have this type of failure. Sometimes it leads to an overreaction. Sometimes it leads to you thinking, we better spend a lot of money or we better use a premium draft pick on this. Because I've seen this before. I saw this in 2005 when Doug Bryan missed two field goals in Pittsburgh that cost the Jets a playoff game. The response was not, okay, let's bring in a new kicker. The response is, oh my goodness, we need to throw a ton of resources at this position. And they ended up drafting Mike Nugent in the second round. I don't want to see that. Just get a guy in here who can kick. Make, get a guy in here who can consistently make field goals. Hopefully, that's Pinheiro. If it's not, then at least now we're looking for the right things. So it's taken too long. It's a complete failure for Joe Douglas. There's no excuse for this. We're going on three years. Again, Jets have been the worst field goal kicking team in the NFL for three years. That's not an NFL issue. That's not an issue of their missed field goals across the league. That's an issue of Joe Douglas doing a terrible job with the kicker position. Finally, we're moving forward. And hopefully this will be my last rant about the kicker position for the New York Jets for quite a while, because I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of you needing to hear me rant about kickers. There are more important positions and more important issues to talk about. And ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we're going to talk about one of those positions because the Jets suffered a big injury at wide receiver, and it will bring about big changes the rest of the season. The Jets certainly hope Eddie Pinheiro will provide their kicking game with a boost and a little bit of extra power. And speaking of power, you may listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. And you can switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes of your favorite podcasts like Locked On Jets. You also get the power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too and the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, think about just how powerful you will become. Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones or networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. Super Bowl 56 is less than 100 days away at SoFi, and On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit On Location exp.com/sb56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location that's on location exp.com/sb56 or search Super Bowl on location Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day in our first segment we talked about Eddie Pinheiro, the kicker the Jets added hopefully he can end their woes at the position however there was also significant injury news on Monday Wide receiver Corey Davis will miss the rest of the season. He is getting surgery on his core muscle. Davis's first season with the Jets ends nine games, 34 catches, 492 yards, four touchdowns. He has been heavily criticized by the fan base. And what I'm about to say is probably a bit of a hot take, but I think he gets way too much grief. Now, I understand that there have been some unfortunate drops. I understand that He has not been as good on contested catches as he was in Tennessee, but I think the amount of criticism he receives relative to his performance is a little bit over the top. I think he's a quality professional receiver. I think he's come in, and although he has not reached the expectations of his biggest fans, I heard 1,200-yard projections heading into the season. We talked about that heading into week one. I still don't think he's been nearly as bad as people have made him out to be. Averaging about 54.7 yards per game this year, that puts him between 900 and 1,000 yards. Again, that's a little bit below the most optimistic projections, but it's not like he's been a terrible player. Been a possession receiver. Again, maybe not as good on those contested catches. I get it. I get it. I I hear your criticisms. Some drops have been bad. Some plays have been there to be made that he has failed to make, but... I don't think this is a failed free agent signing. You know, people act like because he's not Devontae Adams that he's a failure. Well, he's not paid like one of the top receivers in the NFL. In fact, let's look at some of the free agent receivers from last year, guys who got comparable money to Corey Davis. Davis's annual salary on this contract is around $12.5 million dollars. Well, you got Curtis Samuel, who got a contract worth around $11.5 million per year from Washington. You got Nelson Aguilar, who's on the deal around $11 million per year f- with New England. You got Will Fuller, who got a $10.625 million contract from Miami. These were free agents from last year. Would you rather have any of those guys over Corey Davis? And beyond that, I mean, if you want to talk to the top end, people have complained, well, we, don't, we did not go after the big targets in free agency. You got Kenny Galladay with the Giants, $18 million a year. Big premium for a guy who hasn't really been very good. Listen, free agency is a pretty inefficient way to build your football team. That's something I talk about frequently. And when you give out the kind of guarantees the Jets gave out to a player like Corey Davis, odds are it's not going to be the greatest value in the world. That's just the way it works. Corey Davis, as far as guaranteed money goes, got $27 million. Most guys who get that kind of money, those kinds of guarantees in free agency, especially to sign with a new team, are not worth the money they get. That's the nature of the NFL. The guys who are actually worth $27 million get the $27 million from their original team. They sign a contract extension. Anybody who hits the open market, in most cases, there's typically an issue with the player. They're typically not as good, and you're bidding against other teams. That's why free agency is, generally speaking, a pretty ineffective way to build your football team. You have to be very careful. And generally speaking, the best free agent deals are the guys who come at a bargain. The Jets really did not have a luxury to seek out exclusively bargain players this year because the talent level on the roster was so low that they kind of had to roll the dice. They had to give out big money to guys like Davis and Carl Lawson and hope that even if you weren't expecting them to be completely worth the money, that they'd give you something close enough. And I think Davis did. I, I don't think that the criticism he gets is fair. I think he's a solid receiver. Now, you know, one of the criticisms I hear is he's not really a number one receiver. Well, the way Elijah Moore is developing, he may not have to be. The Jets could go forward with Elijah Moore as their number one receiver. Maybe next year, Dave Davis comes back and he's the number two receiver. Now, listen, you don't love the fact that he's ending his season after nine games. That means he's played half the season. And I never want to criticize a player for getting injured. Football's a tough game. Football's a game where injuries happen. I'm not blaming the player, but there is an old saying, the best sort of ability is availability. Davis has not been available this year. But listen, if he plays, if you prorate what he did this year over 17 games, that's around 900 yards. That's fine for a complimentary player. And again, he's not making huge money. I gave you some of the comparable guys who got similar contracts last offseason. He's better than all of them. So I don't agree with all the criticism he gets. Maybe people's expectations were a little too high. Maybe, maybe my expectations were a little too high. But this is not C.J. Mosley. This is not Trumaine Johnson. This is not Le'Veon Bell. This is a guy who maybe not worth the money he got completely, but he's providing the team with value. And I'm gonna say this as well. I got a lot of respect for the way he played on Sunday, and maybe not so much for his production. But you could tell he was hurt. You could tell this guy was hurt in a lost season. And going out there, still playing hard, still trying to help the team, maybe not helping the team so much, but still going out there, showing effort, showing leadership. I think there's a disconnect with this fan base and Corey Davis. I just don't think the guy's been treated fairly. He's not going to be an elite level receiver. I don't think that was ever part of the plan. Again, maybe I have to take some of the blame here. Maybe I set expectations a little too high, but I think the Jets are going to miss him. However, this does present a big opportunity for another receiver, and we're going to talk about that ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast on this Tuesday. And speaking of opportunities, I know that we all love the opportunity to go on vacation, get away to the beach, and with BeachBound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, bound for togetherness, bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation. Or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. I always love going to the beach. I love just relaxing, sitting around, love going into the water for a nice swim. And with BeachBound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you are looking for. What are you bound for? Visit BeachBound.com today to plan your perfect beach vacation. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Tuesday. In our second segment today, I talked about how the Jets will be without Corey Davis for the rest of the season as he is undergoing season-ending surgery on his core muscle. This does, however, open up an opportunity for another receiver on the roster, and that receiver is Denzel Mims. I think by any account, this has been a lost season for Mims so far. Many of us were expecting big things from him. We were looking for a breakout campaign looking for him to make good on all of the potential he had when the Jets drafted him in the second round in 2020. And instead, he's really struggled to even get playing time this season. And this goes back to something Robert Sala said after the first game of the year. And this comment, I think, has been misinterpreted across the board by Jets fans, by the media. Sala mentioned how Mims did not play much in the first game against Carolina. And he said that Mims was not getting on the field because it's dif- it's difficult to do unless you know all the different receiver positions. And people took that to mean that the Jets were punishing Denzel Mims for not knowing all the receiver positions, and until he learned all of them, he's not getting on the field. Well, no, that's not what Robert Sala was saying. Now, in the NFL, and this is maybe oversimplifying things, we think of wide receiver as one position. However, there are really three different wide receiver roles. You have what's known as the X receiver, and that's a guy who lines up on the line of scrimmage. So on any given play, the rules in the NFL require you to have seven players on the line of scrimmage. You have five offensive linemen typically, and then you have two guys outside those offensive linemen, and they are on the line of scrimmage. And the only guys who are eligible who line up on the line of scrimmage who are eligible receivers are the guys who are at the very end. So typically, that's a wide receiver on one side, a tight end on another side. Now, sometimes you can have two wide receivers lined up on, on opposite sides of the line of scrimmage. It's not a rule that one guy has to be a wide receiver, one has to be a tight end. That's just how a lot of teams do it. But because your ex receiver is literally on the line of scrimmage, he's typically got to be a big and strong guy because he's got to beat press coverage. The other team's corner can line up right across from him with no cushion. They can try and physical him. So typically, he's going to be a bigger guy. He's going to be able to get down the field, get vertical, beat press coverage. Now, not all X receivers are super big. Some guys are very sudden off the line of scrimmage, so they can compensate for a lack of size by being sudden, just kind of maneuvering their way around press coverage. But that's what an X receiver is. Then you also have what's known as a Y receiver. And the Y receiver typically, and again, sometimes this is not always the case, but the Y receiver typically is on the other side of the formation from the X receiver, but he is lined up a little bit behind the line of scrimmage. So he has a little bit more of a cushion against the other team's corner. He can be a little bit smaller because he's tougher to press. You know, thinking of examples, Brandon Cooks is a guy who comes to mind who's had a lot of the success as a Y receiver. He's smaller, so he may not be so great at beating press coverage, but he's able at the Y position because he's lined up a little bit behind the line of scrimmage to get open, get vertical. Elijah Moore is actually a pretty good example of a guy who projects as a Y receiver. You know, I hear all this talk, uh, Elijah Moore's got to play in the slot because he's too small. Well, you should never typecast a small receiver to the slot just because of their size, because even if they're not big enough to play the X line up right on the line of scrimmage, they could easily play the Y receiver role. That's something Elijah Moore does. And then you have the slot receiver, a guy who's kind of in the middle of the field, lines up again behind the line of scrimmage. He kind of works horizontally, you'll, you'll see him a lot of, run a lot of routes, the left or right option routes, whereas the X and the Y guys tend to be more vertical because they're on the sideline. So essentially, what Robert Salah was saying, when he made those comments after week one, was that Mims was a backup. And if you're a backup, you maximize your opportunities to get on the field by knowing all three of these wide receiver positions. Because if the slot receiver gets tired and needs a break, Mims can't go in and replace him. If Mims can only play the X, and that's kind of where I think the Jets view Mims, they view him as an X receiver. He can only go in when Corey Davis, who's the Jets X receiver, gets tired. That's what Robert Seller was saying. It wasn't that the Jets were trying to punish Denzel Mims, and they were only punishing Denzel Mims because all these other receivers could go in. You know, Jamison Crowder doesn't know all can't play all three positions. Braxton Barrios can't play all three positions. It wasn't that the Jets were like punishing Mims and not punishing everybody else for not knowing how to play all three positions or not having the ability to play all three positions. It's just the Jets view Mims as the next receiver. I don't think that's fair, to be honest with you. Now, there are some teams, and this is kind of gets into like a philosophical thing. There are some teams that kind of rotate receivers through all three positions. And then there are some teams where things are a little bit more defined. And it seems to me that the Jets kind of prefer to define these things. Again, you'll see, and this is, and nobody's really doing it 100% anymore. I don't think there are any teams where you're the X receiver 100% of the time, where you never go into the slot, you never play the Y. But I think the Jets are one of those teams that's a little bit more rigid than some of the other teams in the NFL. So they'll have guys who are X receivers like Davis or Mims. They'll have guys who are Y receivers like Moore. And they'll have guys who are pure slot receivers like Barrios and Crowder. Well, Davis going down opens up an opportunity for Mims. And listen, I have been a big Denzel Mims fan since he entered the NFL. In fact, I've been such a big fan. This was not about the Jets drafting him. The day of the second round of the 2020 NFL draft, I remember speaking with my father, and he was asking me, well, what receiver should the Jets take today? And I said to him, I don't think Mims is going to fall, so let's take him off the board. That's my guy, but there's no chance the Jets are going to get him. So listen, I have everything... I have every reason to be optimistic about Mims. I have every reason to be upset that he's not playing. Well, let's be honest. When he's gotten opportunities, and he has gotten opportunities this year, he has not done a lot with them. Lots of dropped passes, little production, games deal. You know, there were some games Davis missed. He's got an opportunity now. This Davis injury means that Mims is probably going to see a lot of playing time over these final five weeks. And it's time for him to put up because he simply has not put up so far. It, it just has not been good enough. You know, and a lot of us, and listen, myself included, were complaining early in the season. We were wondering why can't Mims get on the field? Well, he has not done the most with his opportunities. And this turns into a very significant five-game audition for him because Davis is not there anymore. And I think, again, I kind of feel like the Jets view Mims and Davis as kind of the same type of player, and they're not going to get on the field at the same time. Well, now with Davis gone... It's going to be Mims's opportunity to really step up, develop chemistry with Zach Wilson, show we can be an impact player for this offense going forward. And sometimes guys thrive in that role. Sometimes guys struggle when they don't really get an opportunity. I, I think that there are some players out there when their snaps are limited or when they know they're only going to play one game, maybe they press a little bit. And when you know the job is yours, you can relax a little bit more. You know that everything's not going to ride on one drop or one failure to make a play. You can go out there you can process things a little bit easier you can go out there and play better and denzel mims needs to do that because this season i think by any measure has been a disappointment and there's only so much you can blame on the coaching staff he just has not taken advantage of the opportunities and look part of being successful in the nfl is convincing your coaching staff that you deserve an opportunity that you deserve to be on the field so this could do a lot to determine whether Denzel Mims is even back next year and how much of a part of the plan he is going to be. And he's got every opportunity in front of him now. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a five-star review. I hope you have a great Tuesday, everybody. Be back tomorrow with the weekly mailbag.